Welcome to the Everything Least Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza. Nick, haven't talked to you for a while. How's everything going? It's been good. I think the last time we talked was like two to three weeks ago. So obviously still in quarantine, still staying safe. Just trying to find things to do. Like <laughs> I think a week ago, or at least for the last few weeks, I've been kind of battling myself whether I should get an Xbox. Uh, so I finally lost the battle and I ordered one last week and it came in a few days ago. Uh, so I've been pretty busy doing that, playing some FIFA and some NBA. I bought a PS4 like about a month ago and it's been the best best investment I've ever had, I think. It's just, you need it right about now. <laughs> I know, but my productivity and just about everything else has just gone down. But uh only have two games right now, but uh, do you have NHL on... Uh, PS4. I do have. I do have NHL. I might. We might not get NHL playoffs in real life, but uh, I got a good feeling about my chances in in NHL. Oh man, if if I had a PS4 too, we could have some battles like we used to. Yeah. Oh well. Anyways, let's get on to uh, to the real NHL here. So, I think for today, uh, the main topic I think is going to be next year. I think for this season, if the season does come back, it's pretty straightforward. Like you. Put your best lineup out there. You try to win as many games as possible. It's pretty straightforward. But for next year, uh, we don't even know when the offseason is going to be. We don't know what the cap's going to be, though it seems like it's going to be quite low. Uh, it's going to be a little bit tricky. I think, I mean, one thing they're going to try to do, they've already started with signing Barry Bonov, is trying to sign cheap depth. I think Spezza could also come back, you know, for the league minimum. Uh, maybe Nick Robertson makes a team as someone making under a million, but... Uh, I put I put it out on cap friendly the other day and like it, at, at an eighty one point five million dollar cap if it if it doesn't move uh, you can't really re-sign both Dermot and Mikhaev and you might not even be able to re-sign one without moving someone out so unless there's some sort of rollback it looks like they're going to be moving someone out now I think the, the the key question right now is who do you move out and I think the three names that come up a lot are Janssen, Kerfoot, Kapanen. You know, maybe you, you even move more than one. When you hear those three names, who do you think is the most likely to move? Um, it's It hurts me to say, but I mean, you know, and I, I mean, if anyone has listened to any other episode of this podcast, they would know I'm a huge fan of Andreas Janssen. Um, but if the question is which one of those three is the most likely to move, I guess it would be Andreas Janssen. Now, I think we'll kind of break down each of those players now, but when it comes to Janssen, he is now um, like he's now 25 years old, so he's he's about what, what what you see is what you get with him. But right. if you're taking this past season as his sample, I think that it's kind of misleading into what player he could be and which player he is. Um, we saw last year, so that would not be the season that we just watched, but the season before. Uh, we saw him being very effective with William Nylander and Matthews um, on that top line. Um, he, he scored, I think it was 20 goals. Uh, and like, I'm very comfortable with him playing against the top two lines, either, um, against Boston or Tampa, whoever they would face, uh, going forward. So like the Leafs don't really have many left wingers other than Hyman that I would be comfortable saying like, for sure, put him out against the Pasternak's, put him out against the Braden points. And I'm happy with that. And I think Janssen, there is some security there. Um, so obviously this year there's he's battled injuries. He's also had a really low even strength shooting percentage. So 
just as a baseline, I'm not huge on trading players when they're at their low and when they're coming off off se- um, bad seasons. So, but you know, when you compare with Kapanen and Kerfoot, and we'll get to them in a sec. Um, I guess Janssen will be my answer, but I'm not happy about it. Yeah, I think I agree with you pretty much completely there. I think Janssen of the three is probably the most likely to move. Uh, I was listening to Chris Johnson. I think he was on Steve Dangle podcast. And he was saying that, you know, it's going to be a tough guy to move because he's coming off a major injury. Like, you might even have to throw in a sweetener, even though, like, as weird as that sounds. Um, just because there's not many teams with cap space out there. And he's got a $3.4 million cap hit. So, you know, it is it would be tough to trade him now when his value's at the lowest. I think he's a pretty good player. I think I agree with you in that, you know, he probably is what he is at this point. But uh, another thing I heard Johnson say was, you know, Matthews really likes playing with Janssen. And I can see why. I think Janssen, whether he's with Matthews, whether he's with Tavares, I think he's kind of the perfect complementary winger, um, especially when you have a playmaker on the other side with, with Nylander and Martyr. Uh, I think from that perspective, I give him an edge over Kapanen, but I think just Kapanen's age, his speed, uh, he's probably got a bit of a longer career. I think they need Kapanen for the third line just because when he's not there, they really don't have much offense. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think they might, I think they're going to have an open mind about all three. I wouldn't be surprised if they at least, you know, listened on Kapanen, if they get a perfect offer. Uh, maybe they they make the trade, but uh, how about Kerfoot? What do you think about the possibility of, of maybe moving Kerfoot instead? Yeah, with Kerfoot, I've been back and forth on him. I think he's kind of had a topsy-turvy season where it's kind of difficult to pinpoint what he is and what he's going to be going forward. Um, I wasn't a big fan of him on the left wing. Uh, it was kind of makeshift due to Janssen and Mikheyev's injury that Keith put him into the, the top six with Tavares. Uh, on his left wing so I wasn't a big fan of him on the left wing but I did really like him on that third line and I think that carries and holds a lot of value his ability to play on that third line and it kind of it kind of just makes everything really stable with the Leafs lineup so and when you look at his impacts I think he's responsible defensively um he's a pretty good playmaker not a really great shot and he doesn't really shoot very often but I think that if you put a guy like Kapanen on his wing and, you you know, now the Leafs have a a ton of uh, options for that third line wing spot, the left wing spot, whether it be uh, Mikheyev is there, whether it's Engvall, whether it's Robertson, maybe even next year. But I think a staple for that third line should be Kerfoot. So I'm kind of in between of what level of player he is right now. And actually this week I've been looking a little bit of his impacts in comparison to Kadri, which I think is a little bit closer in terms of their impacts this year than I expected it to be. Uh, Despite, I mean, Kadri was playing on the second line and playing a little bit tougher competition, so you kind of got to give him the edge there. But I think going forward, Kerfoot's got to be on the team. Um, But again, you got to be open listening to all offers at this point if you're Kyle Dubas. Yeah, I think with Kerfoot, I preferred him at center. I've, I've heard a few people say they preferred him on the wing in the top six, and I just I couldn't stand it. I mean, I didn't mind it, I guess, him being there, but I didn't like the third line when he was on the, on the second line. So uh, my question is, if you move Kerfoot, who's the replacement? I don't see another third-line center on this team right now. I don't really think Spezza... I don't think you want to 
bank on Spezza being a third-line center at this stage in his career, over 82 games. Uh, I certainly don't think Goche can. I think Engvall really struggled offensively down the stretch. Uh, I think Engvall looked better on the wing as well. Uh, I just I don't see another third-line center right now. And you look at the free agent market, they're, they're kind of tough to get. So unless you're going to get Joe Thornton at a, at a huge discount, if he wants to come home, uh, like I'm very skeptical that you're going to be able to replace Kerfoot uh, for cheaper. So I think, you know, it was kind of the same concept of why they acquired Kerfoot in the first place is if you're going to trade a center out, you kind of have to get one back. Um, they did that with the Kadri trade, obviously getting Kerfoot. It feels like they need to do that in, in order to, if they do move Kerfoot, they're going to have to get someone else. Now, Kerfoot makes, you know, 3.5 million. Can you get someone cheaper? Maybe. Uh, but, you know, I think Kerfoot's probably an average third line center. Are you going to get an average third line center for less? I'm not sure. So uh, I think the the question with Kerfoot, I think I'd like Kapanen for me is kind of in a, in a tier of his own, but I'd listen on Kerfoot. I don't know what his value is, um, but I, I do think that if you move him out, you're going to need someone back. And I think you just hit on a good point there talking about his value and, and we don't really know what his value is. So if we had to rank, like if, if I had to rank personally, the chances of each person moving between those three players, I would put Kerfoot last. And I would have Kappen in second because I think you can get a lot more from other teams um, from Kapanen. And I don't really know what the return would be for Kerfoot. And I definitely don't think it would be a higher return than if you give up Kapanen. Now, that makes sense. I mean, with Kapanen, he's a guy who's a little bit younger. Um, his raw tools, like his speed, is just something else. And I mean, everyone knows about that. I, but again, he's one of those players that is so difficult to kind of pinpoint because like we've said before on this podcast like no matter what line he's with it just seems like he kind of plays the same and he hasn't really elevated his game or really increased his production whether he's with Matthews or, or Tavares as when he's on the fourth line or even the third line so it feels like he's always producing the same but I personally still trust his his he was almost like a like a high danger chance producer like a the past two years except this year he wasn't really as good like we always saw him really high in expected goals like not this season but the the years before that and then this year just kind of vanished a little bit so I just don't know what happened we're going to see going forward but I, th- I think that there's still more to him than what we've seen and, and I like him on that third line yeah I think like with Kapanen I I haven't been a huge fan. I don't think anyone's been a huge fan of him in the top six. I just think there's some redundancy when you have him with Nylander and, and Marner. I think, you know, all those players want to carry the puck. All those players want to use their speed. Um, I think, I, I just don't like the fit because someone has to play their off wing, even though Nylander's been playing the left. Uh, I think Kapanen has a lot of value as that third line winger that kind of drives the line. Uh, when he's not there, I think the offense is just kind of dries up. I think that when he's not there, they don't have a lot of transition skill on that third line. Uh, so I do think hurting him, trading him would, would hurt. I guess my only question with Kapanen is, like, if you're moving one of these guys out, you need you almost need someone on an entry-level contract because you need the cap space. Um, assuming there's not some sort of cap rollback, which would kind of change the equation here, but if, if the Leafs are, are heading into the offseason right at the cap, they're going to need to trade one of these guys for to save some money. And 
if you're trading Kapanen, and I'm thinking, okay, I want either, like, I think we're all thinking right shooting defenseman. I think that's kind of the story for Leafs fans for years now is we want this magical right shooting defenseman. Well, it's going to be tough to get one who's, you know, ready for the NHL and makes, you know, less than a million or, or less than two million. So that's my only concern with, with Kapanen is, you know, he's a very valuable player. I don't know if you're going to get the right offer because you kind of need cheap talent at this point. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's the, I mean, like you said, that's the biggest problem going forward. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you wanted to open this box, that I think that kind of opens up, and we've talked about this before, of trading Riley and trading that $5 million. Because, I mean, they do have four good left-shooting defensemen right now. And they're going to have to, and maybe this is a good segue, where they're going to also have to make a big decision on D because what is the next Travis Dermott contract going to look like? Considering they already have Jake Muzz on the left side, they already have Morgan Riley, and they already have Rasmus Sandin coming up. So, I mean, they've got some big decisions to make even on defense now. Yeah, on the back end, so I think one extra layer to this is going to be the expansion draft because... They can only protect three defensemen. You can do four, but like the Leafs aren't in a position to be to be exposing that many forwards. So uh, I think, and going back to the Vegas expansion draft, if you if you have three defensemen to protect instead of four, you're probably going to end up better off. Um, so I mean, on one hand, as you mentioned, like Riley, Muzzin, Dermot, and uh, Sandine are on the left side. But if you go out and you get a defenseman with more than two years pro experience, like Say you go out and you trade for, I'm trying to think of a of a right shooting defenseman here. Um, Let's say Colin Miller. Sure, Colin Miller. I'm thinking more like someone who'd be a tougher to expose, like Mackenzie Weger is one guy I want. Right. Um, if you go and get them, and now like you don't want to expose Dermot in the, in the in the draft. So I'm wondering if if Dermot becomes part of a package. I don't think he's going to be enough on his own. Um, or like another guy I was looking at was I was watching a Sabres game the other night and you know Henry Yokiharu I don't think he would be eligible, um, so you know cheap seems like a Dubas type. I wonder if they have to make a move like that where they're kind of in a tough spot where there's not many players because a they need someone who isn't going to be expansion draft eligible. And B, they need someone who's going to be cheap enough to fit under the cap. So it's a bit of a tricky spot. In terms of trading Riley, I just think he's so valuable. Um, I guess the question is, is he's got two years left at $5 million. Uh, are you going to extend him? And if you are going to extend him, I'm, I'm, the cap's not going to go up, so maybe that brings the value down a bit. But I'm thinking like near the Yossi deal, which, I mean, his next contract might be scary. And if you are thinking about not re-signing them, then maybe you shop them. But, I mean, it's going to be tough. I think the Leafs are in a contending year next year. It's going to be very tough to trade Morgan Riley and somehow be just as good or even better. I think so, too, to that extent. But, like, to, in my in my eyes, if you're not going to extend them, they need to ship. They need to shop them. And they need to move them before that. Like, you can't lose him for nothing. Like, I don't think this is kind of a similar situation when Jake Gardner... Um, because they had like some left, they had some defensemen coming up. But with Riley, I think 
and I've heard it before that he's important in the locker room and and I think that does hold a ton of value but I just don't know like you said what that next contract would look like and I don't think it's going to be pretty and for a guy that I mean Riley's a great skater but you know when you get into your 30s and, and your skating starts to go away I just don't know how much Riley is how how much how good he's going to be and whether he's going to be worth that contract. I would probably put my money on no. Um, so, and you know when I I just I've been thinking about the defense and when I think of Muzzin and then Dermot and then Sandine on the left side and if you can move Riley, let's say maybe you don't get a right-handed defenseman back but you get, I, I think they could get a like a really good return for Riley. So you can use those pieces and, and develop them and then use the cap space to get a right-handed defenseman and then I think the Leafs could potentially be better next year depending on who that defenseman is it's gonna be tricky I think there's you know the number of defensemen that are better than Morgan Riley are you know there's a few and far between and then you're trying to trade him to a contender probably in the west uh, at least out of the division I would, I would guess uh like you're gonna need like a, a. I think there would be a ton of of bubble teams that would take Morgan Riley right now. Though. Oh, there'd be a line, but you know what's the package? And yeah. the, the the issue is you need players that are are a good now because the Leafs are contending, and b like Riley only makes five million, so he's got a, a great contract right now. Uh, I just don't see like you would need to be just a hall of young talent that's that's ready to go. Uh, is there someone, a team out there that makes a big offer? Maybe, like I at least listen. But you know, he's not coming off the best season. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure that you're gonna get that that defenseman you're looking for. Yeah, I think that there there would definitely be a lot of gymnastics that would need to be taken. And, and I mean, it's a big move to move Morgan Riley, and and it sounds like Kyle Dubas is a big fan of him, obviously, and and his effect on the locker room. Like I said, but I just. I think that there is that is something that could be done. And if they moved Morgan Riley and they also moved Captain, and I have my armchair kind of GM hat on here, and they moved one of the three, let's say it's Andreas Janssen, you have $8 million to kind of move around. And I guess I, I'm, I'm all about the segues today. I've heard Petrangelo's name come up. I think it was yesterday. It's... I think the chances of them getting Petrangelo in free agency is really low. Even Chris Johnson said that Petrangelo wouldn't isn't really interested in the Leafs. But the only avenue that I can see the Leafs getting Petrangelo in general would be if they moved a guy like Morgan Riley and a forward. And then you have your defense next year, which would be, I guess, Muzzin, Dermot Sandin on the left side, Petrangelo Hall, and let's say Lilligren on the right side. But... Again, like a ton of gymnastics that would need to be done to get Petrangelo. Yeah, so in terms of what Chris Johnson said, I don't know if he said like directly that Petrangelo's not interested in the Leafs. I think he, he seemed to imply that he didn't think it was likely. I don't think it's likely. Um, you're talking, like, if they do move Riley, like, Petrangelo's going to be like a six, seven year deal. We really don't know where the cap's going. Like, unless you're moving Marner. In his 10.9, which, you know, isn't looking as good anymore. Not that it was looking great at the start. Um, it, it's going to be very difficult to get Petrangelo under the cap. Um, 
with enough flexibility in future years because just because you could fit him under this year doesn't mean you're going to be able to, to fit him under in the future. Um, I, I do think you'd have to move one of the big four if you're doing that. I, I just don't see it. I love Petriangelo. I think the other question I have with him is he's he's 30 right now. And then, you know, by the time next season starts, if they do a playoffs in the summer, you know, the season might not start till December. And he's, I think he's January born. So he's going to be like 31 right when that contract starts, like a month in. So, you know, are you signing him for seven years? Are you signing him until he's 38? Um, like, I don't think if he takes a discount, and we'll see what the market's like because I have no idea what's going to happen right now. But, um, you know, maybe there's an outside chance. I think if there's a rollback of the salaries, maybe the lease have more cap space. Maybe it becomes a little bit more feasible. But, uh, as of right now, get, looking at their cap situation, if, if there's no cap rollback, I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see how they can get another 8.5, 8, 8.5, maybe 9, depending on where the market is, uh, under the cap, without moving Marner. Now, if you want to consider doing that, if you want to consider you know, maybe moving Riley and, and Kapanen or, or Riley and Yachtson, maybe, but I still think it's going to be tough in, in future years. Yeah, I, I agree with that, actually. And, and, you know, when you have other things kind of other obstacles that are coming in the future, whether that be the ending of the ELCs for Sandine or even Anderson, uh, Anderson's contract coming up, then, I mean, you want to have some flexibility for those years too, like 2021, 2022 area. Yeah, I think the route is I would be trying to get a right-shooting defenseman. Um, not one like Tyson Berry. I'd be trying to get one who's underrated, one who's really good defensively to kind of complement someone like Riley. Um, you know, Kapanen's one angle. I think it's going to be tough to, to get the right player in return. Kerfoot, I'd, I'd consider. Now, like, I mentioned Yokoharu off the top there. Uh, I think Buffalo could badly use forwards. I think their forwards are very, very thin up front. Um, and they have a tough time signing guys because it's it's Buffalo. They haven't been winning. So I wouldn't be surprised if like they'd be <laughs> interested in a Kerfoot. I wouldn't be surprised if they'd be interested in a Kapanen. Um, it, it is, you know, I don't 100%, I'm not 100% sure what I think of Yogaharu, but um, even like I like Colin Miller. They've had plenty of chances to get him. I, I've kind of given up on that. Uh, the other guy I like is Mackenzie Weger, who had like really good underlying numbers this year. Uh, I watched him play uh, quite a bit because so, I wanted to see, kind of wanted to see it from with my own eyes. Um, Florida is in such a weird spot where they have Ekblad, Yandel. Yandel's got a no move clause, so he's not going anywhere. Strawman's got a, a at least a partial no move, and then Matheson is signed for the next seven years at like over four and he was a healthy scratch at a point this year. So they're kind of got a ton of money on the back end. They got Riley Stillman, who's really young, trying to cut salary. I, I don't know if they'll be looking to move a guy out. Now, Uyghur was on the top pair, playing on his offside with Ekblad for a lot of the year. Um, but they, they traded Trocek, so maybe they need a center. I don't know. Just kind of spitballing here, but... It's going to be, we've, we've kind of done this for the last, like, it feels like six off seasons where you're looking at who's the right shooting defenseman that's going to come in. But I do think they need someone. I also think that, 
you know, maybe... I, you might just be better off moving Dermot to the right side or moving Riley to the right side. Um, but I would like one more, you know, decent defenseman. I mean, the easiest thing would be... Well, not the easiest. The hardest and the easiest would be finding an underrated guy. Now, it's the easiest because if... Obviously, if they find someone that's underrated and they can trade a guy like Janssen for him, then, I mean, it's almost like all problems are solved. And it's a guy that isn't very, isn't paid very much right now. And it's obviously the hardest because that's not an easy thing to do, of course. Uh, most guys that are underrated, there's a chance that the the league might underrate them, but the team and the management really, really like them. So I think there's kind of a fine line there, and that's the tough part. But when... And I think it's you that mentioned it in the past. When Dubas came in, he kind of had that reputation of being the guy that can find these underrated guys. And he's kind of taken chances on guys we've seen with Nick Patan. Um, and I guess Dennis Mulligan would be another example of him finding guys that are in their tw- like low 20s that are kind of underused from other teams and bringing them over to the Leafs as kind of like a low-risk, somewhat high-reward so we're still waiting on him to do that with a right-handed defenseman. Yeah, other than the internal one, which was Justin Hall. And right. I think they are in a better spot this year compared to others because you had a top pair that kind of worked. I think Muzzin and Hall had pretty good results together. Um, I don't think Hall is a top-pairing defenseman, but I, I do think he pairs well with, with Muzzin for whatever reason. Uh, it's a lot of size on the back end. Both have long reaches. I think you know Muzzin is a, a legitimate shutdown defender. Um, so, I mean, I, I love that Muzzin trade for the Leafs. I think we both do. I like the Muzzin extension for the Leafs uh, at the time. Uh, you know, hopefully he's he's a little bit healthier going forward. But now you don't really need to figure out the top pair, which is like in, in previous seasons we were trying to find a, a basically right-handed Muzzin. Now I think you can kind of do a little bit worse. Uh, I would love a third pairing of Sandine Dermott. I think that'd be great. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Riley Dermott on the second pairing either. Uh, I think Sandine is going to take a huge step forward next year. He's already pretty good. I think you know, give him a, another year of development. By playoff time, he's going to be you know lights out. Like I'm a huge fan of his game. But I think I guess the other thing is is you have Lilligren. Uh, I don't expect him to start the year with the Leafs. I think he'll start with the Marlies, but you know, by the following year, I think he's going to be a Leaf. And you look at the Leafs right now, and everyone's kind of locked up, or or should be locked up for the next few years. Like Riley, Muzzin, Sandine, Dermot, Justin Hall. So you already have five. Lilligren would be six if you bring someone in for for a few years. Then you kind of have seven. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Like I'm not going to lose sleep over having too many good defensemen, but it's something to consider. And you know, the other thing I'm I'm looking at that's kind of unique to this soft season that we haven't seen in the past is there's free agent options. I know you mentioned Petrangelo, but we know Dubis likes T.J. Brody, or at least we assume he does, uh, given that he almost traded for him. Um, there's also uh, who was it? One guy on the trade market I, I was thinking of is David Savard. Um, he's got one year left. I think Justin Braun on the Flyers, um, is, is a free agent. He's right shooting. Like there are, there are options like more short term deals that that you could kind of get a right shooting or a guy that plays the right side in Brody's case. 
um, to kind of fill that need without even having to trade anyone. So, you know, maybe they maybe they go the Frazier route and the trades for Janssen, Kerfoot, or Kapanen, whoever goes, maybe that's for like a, a cheap young forward on an entry-level deal. Um, so it'll kind of be interesting. I, th- I expect Dubas to be creative. Um, and then I guess the, the other one is like, what do you sign Dermot for? What do you sign Micaiah for? Um, but until we know the cap, it's going to be a little bit difficult to kind of sort things out. Yeah, there's actually a few defensemen now that I'm looking at it that are UFAs that were kind of traded. Like there's still um, like Montours there, Gudis, uh, Brendan Dillon, who was just traded. His, his contract will be done. Um, I think Montours at RFA. Let me see. Yeah, sorry, Montour is an RFA. He could be available, though. I don't know if he's... Stetcher's kind of another fit. RFA that I think people have kind of thrown around. So, And Mackenzie Weger, also an RFA. So, yeah, there are more options. Yeah, definitely as a free, as free agents. The other one was but Tanev. Tanev was the one I was thinking Chris Tanev, yeah. Who's, you know, declined a bit. He's pretty injury-prone. But I believe he played a lot with Quinn Hughes this year. Kind of as, as almost like stay-at-home type to kind of pair with him. I know he's played with Ryan in the past. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a short-term deal. So there are kind of options. I don't know. I haven't really gone through which one I'd, I'd want the most. I kind of like TJ Brody. That'd be my guess. But, you know, maybe the move isn't to trade for a right shooting defenseman. Maybe you go the free agent route, kind of save the asset for somewhere else. So, uh, again, Key one, key one is going to be having the cap space to do that, and it seems like they're going to have to, to move some guys out in order to do that. Yeah, and they just have so many players. Like not, Even like the cap aside, they just have so many guys, I feel, that could be in the lineup next year, like per- potential guys that could be in the lineup and make an impact. And you even talked about Lilligren. Like, he's a guy that I think could play in the NHL right now. So... I mean, with him, he's still young, so if he goes back to the Marlies, I'm not too upset, but they just have a ton of players. Yeah, if they do get another defenseman, then I would think Lilligren's the seventh, and then it's like, okay, what happens with Callie Rosen? Like, is he the eighth? Um, I'm not too And they have Martin Marinson. They do have Marinson. I'm not too concerned with what they do with Marinson, if he he stays... Right. I guess I'm not too concerned with what they do with Rosen either, but... Uh, I guess they do have you know a little bit of depth, which is nice. Um, in terms of and forwards, I, I do think that they looked a little thin at times this year. Um, off the like off the top of your head, when you're looking at Mikhaev extension, I'm thinking less than two given the cap. I know I think Johnson said like he's just spit, spitballing, but I think he said like two two point five. I'd be looking at at under two. Yeah, I think ideally that's. What you want is is under two, but um, I think it will be around two. But the same thing with Mikheyev is just like I don't I don't know if you want to do like something like a sign and trade and, and get some assets back for him. Where because it, even with him, I, I'm not really sure if he's a guy that can step up into the top six and, and whether I would like him. Like I like whenever I see kind of the the armchair lineups for next year, I usually see people that have traded Janssen. And they put Mikheyev next to Tavares and Marner. Now, I think in theory that line works really well. I think that Mikheyev's skill set really works well. I think he's fast. Um, obviously, we see that grit and that work and that work ethic that I think would work really well with two other work workhorses like Tavares and Marner. 
So I think in theory, it would work well. I just don't know if I have seen a big enough sample of him even play at the NHL level to be confident that he would be good in those situations um, in the top six and to play the top six of other teams um, to trade a guy like Janssen, for example. Yeah, I don't. I'm not as confident in him either. I think, I think moving Janssen instead of him is more of a cap decision, right? Like you need the extra million or million and a half. Um, I think Mikhaev had a great start. Obviously, his numbers were fantastic, even at like points per minute basis. But uh, I want to see more. So for me, I'm pushing him under two. Or I mean, he'll have to get his money elsewhere. Um, it is a bit awkward because obviously they just signed Barabanov. I think you want someone who speaks Russian on the team. Uh, they both have the same agent who you have a good relationship with. So uh, I, I'm not, I, I expect Mikhaev back. I just think, you know, it's kind of like a one-year prove-yourself deal. I think with Dermot, with Dermot too, I think we're looking at under $2 million. Yeah, and he's another guy that needs a, a prove-yourself deal because this year has been kind of an interesting year. I think that when he was with in on the second pair, and even when he, I guess, at a little bit of the season, he was the first pair. Right. Uh, when they had a ton of injuries, it was him and Hall on that top pair. So he was playing top competition. So a little bit of a mixed bag. I didn't expect him to really excel or, or even do kind of even uh, during that time. But I think in the last month and a half of the season when they were playing, Dermot started to, to kind of come around. And I felt like at the beginning of the season, we didn't really see the skating and, and the escapability that we've seen him in the past years. Um, I don't know if that was just a comfort thing or, or what, but I felt like he kind of got his legs near the end of the season when, when they were playing. But I just love Dermot's overall skill set, and I think there is more to him. And I've always been a big fan of, of defensemen that can move the puck and that can escape incoming four checkers, um, and just his skating ability in general. So I, I'm... Definitely hoping that they give him a prove prove yourself deal, whether it's one or two years, and I think that he's going to really take advantage of it. Yeah, I think just with him, it's it's kind of underrated. I don't know if you're going to get his like the right amount of value in a trade. Um, also, like he had pretty good defensive impacts this year. Just his transition defense in particular really stands out. I'd rather play him on his offside or play Riley on his offside than than trade him. Um, but I do think that. You know, it's gonna. I would sign him long term if I could, but the Leafs don't really have the cash space to do that right now. So, uh, I do think it's kind of a one year prove it for him. Um, and I, I do think that we sometimes worry too much about handedness. Like I, I do think that Riley can do it. I do think Dermot can do it. Uh, I don't. I don't mind having four good left shooting defensemen. Uh, if you had to pick one, who would you have on the right side, whether it's Riley or Dermot? Uh. Honestly, about the same. I, I think either are pretty good. I think Sandine could even do it. Um, hmm, that'd be an interesting one. I didn't consider that one. Yeah, he's still good on I his I think I would pick Dermot that just because I like... You know, one thing Babcock said was he likes to have the more skillful defenseman on his um, on the correct side. Uh, so that's why he never moved Riley over to the right side because he was usually the most skilled guy on his pairing. So... I think I would like to see Riley on his left side and, and to, to kind of keep him there because, I mean, that's where he's comfortable and he's able to step up into the play and step it, step into the offense. Um, and just because of Dermot's ability to kind of pivot and, and his skating ability um, and kind of his edge work, I think he would work 
maybe even a little bit better than Riley would on that right side. Yeah, I like the I like the Muzzin Riley pairing, but you know I also like the Muzzin Hall pairing. So unless you're going to go to that pairing, I'd probably put Dermot on the right side. Um, I think you know another name I'm going to kind of throw out there is maybe a trade option: Pierre Engvall. Uh, he just mm-hmm. signed. He's making one point two five million. You know, he's making about five hundred thousand more than the minimum, and you know, I compare him to someone like Spezza. I compare him to someone like you know, Barabanov, even like Nick Batan if you had to, or Malgin. Like, is he? If you need five hundred thousand to get under the cap, for example, I, I think he's a guy that can move. Um, I do like him. I think he's really good on the penalty kill. I think I like having his speed and, and forechecking ability. Uh, I don't think he's a good playmaker. I, I, he's got a decent shot. He's going to get some breakaways with his speed, but you know, I, I kind of. When he was on the Marlies, I thought he was going to be a fourth-line winger that could, you know, I was kind of hoping he could play a little bit more center. I still think he could. I think he'd be a fine fourth-line center next year. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them move him just because they can't save 500000 And it's almost like the Connor Brown situation where, you know, he's a fine player. You'd like to have him if you, if you could. But if, you, if you're right up against the cap, he might be a guy that you, you look at moving. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I think I've always been a little bit skeptical of Pierre Engvall. I think he had a really good start. Obviously, he had that scoring slump um, kind of at the tail end of the season, but he does bring like a lot of kind of to add to what you said. He's also a really good puck carrier. We've seen him even in the last part of the season when he was not scoring. We saw him generate a ton of zone entries, um, but I'm still kind of skeptical on whether he is would be a good third-line winger, uh, whether he is right now, and whether he'll even make the team, because right now they've just got so many players, and we're talking about Robertson that might make the team, and will Kyle Clifford, his contract, and we'll probably talk about that soon. So, I mean, if Clifford gets signed, and they have Mikheyev, let's say, let's say Janssen somehow stays, and then they also have Mikheyev, I just don't know where Engvall's going to fall in right now. Like, something's got to give in terms of their left wingers right now. Yeah, I think, and I was just about to bring up Clifford, so good timing there. Um, I think with Engvall, he has a little bit of versatility where you can play him at center, you can play him on the wing. Um, So you could run Clifford on one wing, Spezza on the other, and Engvall up the middle, or you could put Barabon up there. Um, We'll see. I think also, normally, there's at least one injury. Um, I, I do think that... Given now that he makes five hundred thousand more than than the minimum, there's a chance he moves. I think if he was at the league minimum, you know, I'd keep him. Uh, I, I I'd like to have him. I think he can play as a third line winger in a pinch. I just don't think he's. I, I prefer him on the fourth line. Um, I do think yeah. he brings you know strength to the table and and some size to the table that they could use, even though he's not a fighter. Um, but moving on to Clifford here, so there was at one point a rumor that. Clifford was going to like the rumored deal for Clifford was like three years at two million per. Chris Johnson shot that down, saying like he'd eat a shoe if that happened. Um, he, he said something along the lines of like if he's coming back, it's going to be a team friendly deal. Like they need the depth guys to buy in. Like they just don't have the cap space for Clifford. Uh, CJ said that, and I think like if you look on cap friendly, they don't. Like they they maybe have like a million two to offer him tops and that's if they move someone out um what are your thoughts like if let's say clifford wants 
just over a million, like a million one, a million two. What are your thoughts on bringing him back? I think at this point I would say no because now with Clifford, the toughness is something I do value in him. Um, I do really value his defensive impacts, although they weren't as good as I expected them to be when he did come to the Leafs. When he was with the Kings before, he's had some terrific kind of defensive impacts. This year it wasn't so good, and I mean, sample bias might be really playing a role there, but there were about a ton of plays that you could see him kind of back-checking and, and breaking up plays, And but I just don't see... Usually when it comes to fourth lines, pretty much to put it simply, like I don't like paying my fourth line very much. If you can give most of your fourth liners or all of your fourth liners league minimum, you're doing something right. And I think the Leafs have those players, whether it be now after they signed Barabanov, they have Robertson, Spezza should be signing for quite cheap. I think Dennis Mulligan is quite underrated. Um, so they have those depth forwards that can step and give you a fourth line a good fourth line, and I think Clifford, at best, is a fourth line left winger. So, and and there's not really much utility there. So, I'm I would say no to that answer to that question. Sorry. Yeah, I would say no too. I want him at a million or less. Uh, even a million, I think. I don't even know if I want him at that point. Like, I I get that he's good in the room. I get that it's nice to have a fighter, but I think he's a fourth line winger. I don't think you should pay fourth line players, especially not a center more than a million end of story i don't think uh whether he fights or not whether he you know regardless of the of the player type i just i don't want to pay them more than a million Uh, i think it kind of comes down to like if let's say the season does continue and jansen comes back and mikhaev comes back um so obviously no robertson and and whatever would clifford be in your personal playoff lineup um Tough to say. I'd probably play him over Maligan. I'd probably play him over Gauthier. Like I'm, I'm not a huge fan of having Gauthier in. So, so the left wingers would be. Let's assume it would be Hyman, then Janssen, Mikheyev, and then you're pretty much picking between Engvall or Clifford. Um, I would choose. Unless you put Engvall yeah, in the right wing. Yeah, I think there's a spot for him, but I'd pick Engvall over him. Uh, I just think he's. I think Engvall's a really good penalty killer, and I think he brings a little bit more offense to the table. Um, I think the fighting thing is a little bit overrated. Like, I don't know. It's, I, I like having one, but, and I think he can kind of play. Like, I think he's a, an actual fourth line player, but, you know, there's not enough surplus value there in terms of goals for goals against in order for me to really, like, I would never pay him two million. Right. Um, I, I would value him. I think like he's good in the room and I, I kind of do like having someone like that around, uh, but I don't want another Matt Martin situation where you, you pay the guy way too much. Um, I guess the other right. the other question, kind of getting off topic a little bit here, but um, Freddie Anderson, I I was right. I started an article and I was thinking like, okay, who are the the Leafs that are? There's no way you're gonna move. And I was looking at the goaltending situation, thinking, you know, that's the one with stability. That's the one we can kind of say for sure. These are going to be the two players. There's not going to be any changes this offseason. And I started second-guessing myself and kind of questioning, like, is there a chance they move Freddie Anderson? And uh, so he makes $5 million, and there are quite a lot of goalies on the market, uh, particularly Robin Leonard. Uh, we know Leonard's, I mean, he had good numbers in Buffalo. He had good numbers in uh, with the Islanders, and then he had good numbers with 
Chicago. So he, he's been pretty consistent. Um, Anderson is just like his, his, he's going to be in the contract year. I don't know if you want to go in. Sorry, it's not. A, it's yeah, he's in his contract year. I don't know if you want to kind of like leave him hanging, and it's kind of tough to extend him right now because he's coming off a, a rough season. So, like, do you think there's any chance, whether it's Leonard, Halak, uh, Jacob Markstrom, who had a pretty good year for Vancouver, do you think there's any chance the Leafs consider signing a goalie uh, to some term here and then kind of making the decision now rather than in a year from now? This is probably. You know, when, when I look at the Leafs cap situation, like this is probably the most stressful decision I feel is like what they're going to do with their goalies. And it's weird. It, it's interesting. Like Chris Johnson on, um, I don't know if it was James Myrtle's podcast or whether it was the Steve Dangle, but he was talking about how going into the season um, and, ha- and and let's say they signed a goalie and having someone that could potentially take his spot like Freddie Anderson's kind of a, a sensitive guy and whether that would get to him. Now, I, I don't know, you know, I'm not really going to get into that, but I think that is something to kind of consider. But, I mean, they're, they're, they need to do something for whether it's extend him or, or, or get someone as a solution because right now there's, there's not really many real options. Well, there's no real options um, in their farm system. And I don't think Jack Campbell is going to be their starting goalie going forward. So... I wouldn't be opposed to to signing a guy like Leonard, but I mean I do love Anderson, but it's it, this is this is probably the this like I said it's the most stressful situation with the Leafs situa- uh, cap situation. It is because like a there's the personal perspective where like Anderson is quarantining with Matthews right now, so I think Anderson's very popular in the Leafs room, and then b like you look at what Dubis went through with the backups. Like when he chose Sparks over McElhaney, which I still would have done. I would have just, you know, you might as well see what Sparks is. It didn't work out, but um, I, I like you. You look at what he went through for the for the backup situation. The starter is going to be ten times more. So, oh yeah. If you make the wrong decision there, like if if you trade Anderson, and then Anderson has a bounce back year, like he puts up his nine eighteen, and then Say you sign Leonard and Leonard puts up like a 908 or 906 or who who knows what. Like we just saw what happened with Florida and Bobrovsky. Um, you know, it could be a disaster. And, 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 and that's like, there's a decent chance of that happening knowing goalies. I mean, like, I feel right. like we put too much stock in coaches' abilities and GM's abilities on goaltending. And we probably shouldn't, like... Like, Dubas was trending. Fire Dubas was trending this year because of goaltending. Right. I think Backup goaltending. I do think Campbell helps because you have a little bit more stability there. Like, if you're going in with, like, a new goalie plus Hutchison, it could be a complete disaster. I think having Campbell... Campbell's... There's at least a chance he can be a starter. Uh, I don't think you want to bank on it. I think you're planning on him being your backup, but... Uh, I think the the thing with Anderson is you're going to have to make a decision sooner or later. So it's going to be a bit awkward anyways. Like at the at the end of next season, if he puts up a 9-10, I don't think he's coming back. Like I think they need to find someone better if he, if he has back-to-back kind of down seasons. Um 
it's kind of it's weight it's tough to say and you know i think the playoffs would have had a big impact on this like if, if he had right and again if they come back and it, it, he struggles in the playoffs because he hasn't played in months it's it's tough to blame him but uh it is a tough decision he's he's a 30 he's going to be 31 in in october i don't really want to sign him you know i, I think the the deal would start basically when he's 32 so I don't want to sign him longer than three years. I'm guessing he's getting a raise on his five million. You know, maybe you trade him. The other thing is he's got a partial no move clause. Um, it's just ten teams, but it doesn't sound like much. But then you look at like if he does that strategically, his no trade. Like you don't put New York like the the Rangers on your list because you know they're not going to trade for a goalie. You don't put Montreal on your list because you know they're not trading for a goalie. Like there's a lot of teams that don't need would never trade for a goalie. So. I think that 10-team no-trade list is a little bit more powerful than it sounds. Yeah, and he, um, just his ability, like, I I mean, it's only seven games a year but, but with the Leafs, but when you look at playoffs and, and goaltending is so important and getting good goaltending in the playoffs is so important, and I just don't think Anderson's really kind of proven himself yet in the playoffs, and again, like, I hate putting so much stock into it, but I think that... It does matter. I mean, like, I don't think he was very good in Game 7 the past two years. Um, it wasn't this season, but it was the 20... It was 17-18, where he just wasn't very good that series. Um, so, I just don't think he's proven himself just yet um, in the playoffs. And like you said, I think this year, though, that playoff performance would have been really important uh, and really kind of indicative on his future with the Leafs. And, and now, due to everything happening, he, he wasn't able to do that. But... Well, uh, I guess we'll see, but they need to they need to figure that out. So I, I think if the opportunity does come to them this year, where they they do are able to sign a goalie, and it needs to be quite cheap, that I don't think they should kind of resist doing it. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I mean, I'm gonna try to put some more thought into this. There's Markstrom, but Markstrom so Markstrom had a nine eighteen this year. Uh, this is first year doing it, um, and. You know, that's kind of Anderson's norm. So is it just a good year for Markstrom and a poor year for Anderson? Like, if you take a longer sample, I think you want Anderson. But, um, you know, Markstrom's older than I thought. He's 30, actually, as well. Um, you know, Leonard, is he going to is he gonna be more expensive than Anderson's $5 million? Are you going to have to move someone else if you do that? Um, I think Holtby's going to be more expensive. Halak's been good, but he's kind of on the older end. Um, do you trade a Kapanen for someone like, like try to get georgiev maybe like because he's he's cheaper um that might be something like i i I gotta put more i gotta put more thought into the goalie situation and it's just it's such a hard position to evaluate and you know there's so much risk because it's the most important position in, in hockey i do think that you know i think dubis is probably gonna do the cautious route where he thinks like you know, I can't get this wrong. If I if I trade Anderson, he bounces back, and I get the wrong goalie. Like, you might be on the hot seat then. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's something to to kind of think about uh, as we go forward here. Uh, in terms of the yeah, the, uh, I take my hat off to you because it's not only the most important um, position, but it's the most inconsistent. So to write about it is uh, is not fun. So I take my hat off for you to to tackle. Yeah, it. if I ever get around to it, maybe I'll. Uh... I'm not gonna watch goal the goalies. I have no idea what the heck to say, but I'll try to 
I'll be the first commenter. Uh, if if you're wrong about it, I'll be the first commenter God. to to, to cr- criticize um, you. I guess kind of an overall question here is they are going to have to move. Like it, it seems like they're going to have to move someone out. Can we expect the Leafs to be better next year? Um, what do you think there? And, and if you do think you can expect them to be better, why do you think that is? Yeah, I, I think that when you look at them on paper, I don't think they'll probably be better. And I mean, there's going to be a lot of moving parts, but um, they are going to have to set some salary. And I think the middle six, probably the, the third line, might look a little bit worse um, than a healthy lineup this year. Now, in saying that, I think they are going to be better in the performance than they were this year for a few different reasons. One, they battled a ton of injuries, as everyone knows, this year. Um, The Leafs have been pretty lucky in the past years before this year uh, with injuries, but I wouldn't expect another year like this year in terms of their injuries. Um, The next one would be goaltending. I think that they had a lot of up and down goaltending this year, something that I think should stabilize going forward. And if they had a larger sample and the season ended and, and playoffs started, I think that the goaltending was going to kind of, hopefully was going to kind of uh, rise back up. So, and those are two big things. I mean, I know Dubis says that we don't really want to use injuries as an excuse. And I think at the player level and at the coaching level, um, that is true. I think that they can't use that as an excuse for poor play. But when we are evaluating them, you know, losing Morgan Riley. I know I've, I've been kind of negatively talking about him today, but he is a very good player and, you know, the Leafs' first or second best defenseman. And they lost him for quite a while this year. That matters because now all of a sudden, Dermot goes up the lineup, Marinson's in the lineup. There's kind of a, a, a fallback effect to that. So, And then they also lost Muzzin and, and all the other injuries. So I think that does play a big role. Um, so hopefully next year that they're a lot more healthier, and as a result, I think they'll do better. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the same camp there. I think a I think injuries was a huge factor this year. Uh, Riley had an amazing season the season before, and even when he played at the start of the year, he just didn't look like himself. Uh, I, so I expect him to be better. I think that's going to be a big boost. Um, the other was like they just look thin up front all year. I, even even when they trade someone like Kapanen or Janssen. Like when healthy, this team is this team's pretty deep up front, and I just didn't see it at most times this year. Uh, I think just having kind of the coaching situation locked down, uh, playing playing the first power play more, um, and then like just things like playing Spezza instead of Nick Shore, um, things like that. And I do expect guys like Dermot, guys like Sandine to take step forward. I don't really see anyone who's going to be declining all that much other than Spezza, who's, you know, a fourth-line player anyways. Um, so, I, and I, the other thing is what you mentioned was was goaltending. Hutchison, they're not going to do worse, I think, in terms of team save percentage. It'd be very difficult. Uh, knock on wood there, but... I think Hutchison cost him some games, and you know those are those are key points. And I do look at Tampa. I do think they kind of lost a year here, uh, and I do look at Boston, and I think you know Bergeron's year older, Char's year older. I think every year that passes, the Leafs get closer and closer to Boston. Yeah, that's a good point, and I just it kind of made me chuckle there. Like 
I completely forgot about the coaching situation. Like that feels like forever ago that Babcock got fired and Keith was hired. I know that Nick Shore played games this year. He's quarantined is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's a good segue because I got, I got the final question here. So, uh, something I had tweeted out a few weeks ago, the sixth, I'm losing track of days. I don't even know what day it is at this point. Um, so it's choose your quarantine house. So there's six members of the <laughs> Leafs organization in these houses. I want you to tell me which one you'd pick. So house one. One second. I'm just trying to f- pull it up. Here we go. Okay. I got it. House one. I'm going to, I'm going to read it out anyways. So yeah. Matthews, Marner, Anderson, Dennis Maligan, Martin Marinson. So I kind of put the, the three friends together being Matthews and Anderson who are kind of quarantined together anyways. Marner, who seems to be very close with Matthews. And then I didn't want everyone to pick it, so I tried to put two kind of lesser names in. So I did Malgan and Marinson. <laughs> so that's House One. What are your overall thoughts on, on House One so far here? Yeah, I love how you say lesser names. Uh, no, Martin Marinson's a cool guy, man. I've been hearing some of his Marley's, uh, you know, they had those one-on-one interviews. Oh, yeah. And uh, he had some good ones, so... Uh, I like House One a little bit too cool for me. Okay, uh, a so lot of gaming in there though, a lot of NHL tournaments, so it might get heated in there. So it's on the short list at least. It's gonna be a finalist. It, it's a thumbs up thus far. I'll okay. listen to the other ones and then okay. we'll keep going. House two is Brendan Shanahan, John Tavares, Jake Muzzin, Kyle Clifford, Jason Spezza. So this is the oldest house by far, probably the quietest. But yeah, I, I don't know what you're looking for here. Certainly the most disciplined. Yeah. um you'll be up at 5 a.m yeah yeah they'll be up at 5 a.m and it's also like the dad house i feel okay like shanahan's in there like the good dad house tavares is the new father so he can like kind of take tips um i like this one i think i, I saw a lot of people picking this one and, and they were saying like oh i want to go to bed at 9 p.m so <laughs> i'm going into this house <laughs> i love that if you're, we gotta think like two months here that's that's what we'll go with two months so it's, okay. it's, it's long-term. Yeah, I think I have house one over house two right now. Okay. House three, William Nylander, Kasperi Kapanen, Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Lilligren, Pierre Engvall. So this is... This is like the dubstep house. Four Swedes and Kasperi Kapanen. Um, we saw... <laughs> you probably saw Alex Nylander's TikTok with Willie the other day. So maybe that's like a sample yeah. of what you'd be in for. Uh, what's, what's your overall thoughts here on house three? I feel like this house is like two of them, maybe like, I would say Engvall and Nylander, like kind of sneaking out of the house and taking Instagrams of each other and the (laughs) other three just roasting them when they come back in. Yeah, I could. Like in the comments. I think that would be maybe my favorite house if I was doing it for like a few days, but I don't think I could survive it for two months. I think, you know, they're all pretty young. I don't know if anyone can cook. Um, I feel like you'd be up until like 5 a.m. Uh, it's definitely one of the party houses. I think, I forget who mentioned it, but like if you could have a camera of that house, you would do it in a second. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's a, it's a thumbs down for me. I think Kapanen would just roast everyone in that house all day. Like, did you see his, uh, on the, the Marner, Marner wrote that really nice letter. And the first comment on it was Kapanen saying, no chance that's your writing. <laughs> <laughs> Got called out. Eh? Um, and he was right. It was, it was his girlfriend's. 
Yeah, yeah. You owned up to it. Um, okay, so that's a is that a thumbs down for you? Or, uh, or somewhere in the middle. I think your... that I think I got house one first. I think that'll be a fun house. Okay. House three, like you said, I would go there like on a Friday night, but I don't want to live at that house. But that's like the party yeah, house. Yeah, I don't want to live there. And yeah. uh, and then yeah, house two is like a nice Sunday afternoon. I go there, you know, and and have a get good some time. stories. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, not okay, getting here's some house... stories because now this is gonna segue into house four. House four: Zach Hyman, Alex Kerfoot, Frederick Gauthier, Justin Hall. And Travis Dermott, so it's a, it's an interesting mix. This is this is my house. This is the one I would be in okay. because, <laughs> um, I just think that in this one, like it would be two. There's two a few different activities in this house actually. So I think one, there's going to be some really good bedtime stories from Zach Hyman, and I think I replied to this actually on your tweet with it would be Zach Hyman telling bedtime stories, and the other four like sitting down, cross-legged, listening really attentively. With like Dermot throwing in some like occasional jokes that the rest of them all laugh at. So Justin Hall's a pretty like he's been all over the uh, I don't know if it's like YouTube or I see him doing all the quarantine videos like interviews with the Leafs. He's funny. I think he'd be funny. Yeah. Uh, Go Goche seems funny. He likes puzzles. He's got a dog. <laughs> uh, that's, I think that's a good I think it was Matthews. Too. I think Matthews was asked like the three players he'd want to quarantine with and he picked Kerfoot as one of them saying Kerfoot would tell him good stories so I think you know that, that would be the story host and Kerfoot's really and smart it's not, right like he went to was it Harvard you went to Harvard the yeah Goche yeah. went Goche went to what Princeton so, oh, yeah, that's the, that. yeah that's the this is like an underrated smart like smart fun house um but I, I yeah, it I'm doesn't going have big names four. I'm going to house four just for the bedtime stories honestly because Zach Hyman I mean, if he works as hard at writing books that he does on the ice, then then I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, okay, house five here. Morgan Riley, Jack Campbell, who those two are very <laughs> popular. Tyson Berry, Callie Rosen, Andreas Janssen. What are your overall thoughts on this house? I think this is like the most liked house. Because like Tyson Berry is also a really nice guy too, from what I've kind of seen from him. And everyone likes him. Um and obviously Jack Campbell, you probably wake up with like him writing compliments on a whiteboard on the fridge or something about <laughs> each person. So he's like, yeah, I think Jack Campbell's probably my number one here, but Tyson Berry seems loud. I think he might, yeah, you know, living with him for two months. I think that's a lot of energy. Yeah, this is him this and is an Riley. underrated house. Him, him and Riley together is it is an underrated house. Yeah. I think it's. And Riley and Barry you know, on my are both from Vancouver, right? Or BC? I think so, yep. All right, last house here. Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keefe, Cody Cece, Nick Robertson, Ilya Mikhaev. <laughs> this is, uh, I think this would be like my second favorite house just because I feel like if you're in the in the house with Dubas and Keefe and you're probably learning a little bit, but, and Robertson, he seems like a pretty fun dude too, so, and you get good soup from You see his video? So. Did you it was see the, the shooting video? or yeah in his backyard yeah i saw that one yeah yeah so i mean he, robertson seems like a funny guy but i, I don't know but with keith and like it's almost like like i don't know like a boss relationship between keith and the players like <laughs> i feel like i feel like robertson would be really quiet and you know i don't know i think it'd be a decent house 
I'd go I with four, so. though. That's You'd go with four, too? Wow. Both of us in that yeah. house. We're both listening to bedtime stories. Uh, second, I'd probably go one. Okay. With Matthews. And third, I'll go house five. I think two is just a bit old for me. <laughs> um, three, I'd, I would... I'd be concerned about the house burning down and not surviving. And, uh, you know, six, I, I think, is kind of all over the place. I don't really know what to make of it. I think six would be a lot of pressure because I heard that I think Robertson, him working out, would just make me feel bad about myself. True, true. And apparently Dubis asks all of the players to read books. Oh, God. So You couldn't even fake it because he'd be yeah, there, right? That's, yeah, you'd be right there. So, like, he'll see me playing Xbox and be like... You know, he should be reading this Harry Potter series or something, so I don't know. Harry Potter, eh? <laughs> Maybe that's the book he'd pick for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think with that, we got we to gotta wrap things up. So uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we'll see everyone hopefully next week. Bye.